coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. People, if all they did was scratch and make their food at home, if that's all they did, they could eat anything they wanted. Like if you made right. a from scratch cake, chocolate cake with like real butter and lard and sugar and all the different things that go into it and like heirloom organic grains, like you would probably not want to make it very often because it's so time consuming, which mm-hmm. would be good. It's kind of like a mechanism to prevent you from doing it. But mm-hmm. if you ate that and that was part of your regular diet, you would you could still be a healthy person, right? It's amazing what what food at home from raw core ingredients that haven't been adulterated and haven't been packaged in like a restaurant or or packaged from big food companies. It's amazing the difference. And again, the first principle, if you just simply ate at home, you're good. Everything that's outside of your house, that's how people just think about this. Every single thing that is outside of my house that I didn't like bring from my house, like I didn't prep food. Every single thing that I eat is, is going to be a health cost. And everything that I have in the house, if I'm optimizing or paying even close attention is usually going to be a health promoter. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed CEO of Wild Foods, Colin Stucker. This was the third time Colin's been on my podcast. And I love having him on as a guest because he has many sound principles that can help you live optimally. This time around, we discussed ways to optimize gut health, reasons you might be feeling bloated, Colin's healing gut protocol, raising healthy kids, along with the importance of community for mental health. This was a great interview with Colin. I know you'll enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast and happy 2023 with my first guest, Colin Stuckert. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Thanks for coming back on. I think it's the third time. Colin is the CEO of Wild Foods. A lot of great products on there. So definitely check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes and um, yeah, happy to have Colin on back on. We're going to discuss all about gut health. And uh, Colin, maybe tell uh, tell the audience a little bit about your background and how you started Wild Foods. Yeah, that's a long, winding journey <laughs> of just pursuing my own obsessions uh, from you know starting a CrossFit gym, getting heavily into fitness, and then from fitness getting into nutrition. Uh, I did this certification with Rob Wolf back in the day when he was with CrossFit, and that got me into the Paleo diet, and then Paleo Primal, Mark Sisson, Bulletproof Coffee. You know, it's like all these different people and brands and ideas of kind of converged over the years to now I feel like I have a pretty solid grasp of the basics of human nutrition. And that's where I like spend most of my focus is just one of those core basics. Um, and it's, it's real food cooked at home and, you know, like don't eat mass monocrop processed food. Like that's it. If people just did that, they'd be, you know, it'd be 99% of their health journey right there. Yeah. It's interesting how, like, I don't know about you, but like how things evolve, how your viewpoint evolves as you go through life. And, uh, you know, obviously talking about gut health is so important. I think this is something that still gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> I find like yeah. my, for myself, I'm always like trying to, if, if for some reason I get bloating or something, I'm like, well, what did I eat? <laughs> you know, like yep. what, what is affecting me in this way? Cause, um, I don't know. I just think it's good first and foremost to be self-aware of what, you know, what you're eating and then how it's affecting you. Yes. Uh, Food is going to be the primary 
thing, obviously. And I was actually talking with Allison the other day about this. It's interesting how we think about environmental toxins and we have like toxins in our water, toxics, uh, perfumes and things in a new car, like all the stuff in our environment that around us. And, you know, even just like fluoride and water, things like that. And then you think about food and it's like, that's the one thing aside from alcohol and like pharmaceuticals, of course, that you actually put into your body. Whereas everything else kind of like hits your skin first. And then your epidermis is the first layer of defense. You know, it's like actually the biggest organ in your body. It's supposed to detox and protect you. Whereas that stuff just goes right in your mouth, goes right to your gut. And it's like, it wrecks havoc or maybe supports you, you know? And it, and it's the single most important thing. Uh, and it just, you're right. It doesn't get enough attention. I think we still don't know a whole lot about it. Like there's a lot of research around, you know, microbiome and things like that. A lot of promising stuff's coming out, you know, fecal transplants, there's all these cool things going on. And, you know, the, the, the prescription that most people look to is like, oh, I'll take a prebiotic or a probiotic, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll just do that. I'll be good. But it's like, it goes so much deeper than that. And we can talk about that today. Some things that I learned through this journey, trying to solve it for myself, because I was finding a connection between like allergies I'm dealing with right now. Maybe you can hear and gut health. Like when my gut health is stronger, my allergies are less. Like my back pain is less. Everything in my body related to my gut. When my gut is better, my inflammation is lower. Everything's better. When it's worse, everything's worse. So I put a big focus on that the past few months and made some pretty massive improvements actually. Yeah. Let's definitely dive into that. Um, you know, you keep hearing the carnivore diet come up and, you know, I always say it's like, almost like could be the ultimate elimination diet where, you know, you're just eating these protein, you know, lean protein or, um, and eliminating a lot of the gut stressors that could be causing wreaking havoc. Yep. It, would you say, what would you say some first steps for individuals who are looking to sort of get gut, gut, uh, sort of improve their gut health and get some relief? Yeah. Carnivore is great. Uh, it's, it's hard to know whether the benefits of carnivore are more because you've removed something that's poisonous to your body or because you're like steak so nutritious. I think it's a combination of both because steak is pretty much the perfect food. Um, but if you're struggling from an autoimmune issue, for example, like I do, I have certain genetic precursors for uh, constantly high elevated, um, you know, inflammatory state, which my body, like the immune response hits hard. And then, and it just like throws the rest of my body out of whack. So I get like fatigue and things like that, mm -hmm. sensitive to things like cedar and certain allergies that are in the, in, in Texas right now I'm dealing with right now. And it, like when you have grains and legumes and even certain plant foods, right. These can trigger a response because your body looks at it as a invader and it's like, okay, this doesn't belong here. I need to go into a hyperinflammatory state. We need to kill this thing. And that it, when you have chron chronically elevated inflammation, because inflammation is a good thing. It helps your body repair. It's absolutely necessary. Just like insulin and cortisol are hormones that you absolutely need to survive. They're imperative to health. But the problem is when they're elevated or under um, or lower, whatever that word is, like, you know, hyper or hyper, hyper, right. hypo, hypo. When, that's when you have issues because your body's supposed to have a homeostatic state. You have the right dose of everything. And when you have too much of something, you have poison. If you don't have, if you have not enough of it, then you have your whole body shuts down because it's not functioning properly, Right. So carnivore is great because it eliminates so many of those things that would be a stressor on the gut. But most people, I mean, it's like they don't dial it in enough where they try like one food for 30 days. Like let's say you go carnivore and you want to like experiment with whether it's bread or it's legumes or it's like dairy. You would want to only eat literally one of those things for a certain period of time and then test. And that's just a hard thing to do. Everybody wants a quick fix. They want a pill. They want whatever. But a lot of times the improvement comes from removing 
And that's a big theme to gut health that we can talk about today. Yeah. And I think that's also why people have success doing some fasting from time to time. 100%. Yep. You know, same idea. Yep. Um, so yeah, what, what, what would you say like would be one of the main problematic individual, uh, things that could harm individuals? I mean, you have environmental, you have food. Um, you know, I know in, in you recently did just a, a nice video uh, about gut health where you talked about leaky gut. Um, what would you say the number one thing that could cause something like leaky gut that individuals might have? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the thing that I first uncovered about gut health that I've not really heard from anybody ever. Uh, and this is this guy, Primal Thrive, who I cited his ebook. I bought it. I created a course. I basically did my video based on that because it was like so profound. And I keep referring people to try to buy his stuff. And we even sell it on the website because it's that good. But his the core idea is that the number one problem with gut health, if you had to boil it down to one thing, is low stomach acid. Okay. When you eat more animal proteins and more protein in general, but generally more animal proteins, your stomach acid goes up. Humans have the same acidity as uh, vultures because right. our ancestors would have eaten a lot of either lots of meat, period, so it helps break it down, but also potentially rotting meat because we were also scavengers early on in our evolutionary past. So that's very interesting. And so it's this idea that like alkaline diet or whatever, like even alkaline water, I'm right. like, I'll never touch again because it's literally lowering my gut acid. And if I have gut health issue, it's probably because I don't have enough gut acid. So I'm not touching that stuff, you know? So like, that's the first thing. Gut acid goes up because that improves digestibility, gut permeability, all these other things. And it makes it so you're more bulletproof against potential leaky gut. Like if you think about it, if you're throwing toxins in your gut, like let's say it's lectins or it's grains or it's gluten, it's going to your gut and you have high stomach acid. It's just like burning it up. It's like, let me just sap that, digest it, get it through as fast as possible. If you have low stomach acid, that stuff can kind of sit around cause inflammation. It's like something's not passing through. And every single day that that's sitting in your gut, your body's like inflammatory response, inflammatory response. I need to get it out. Right. That's a very simplistic view of like how this stuff works, but there's a, that's basically how it works actually. <laughs> so it's like high stomach acid. And then we can talk about like ways to do that. And then just simply not putting the toxins in your body, especially if you're even remotely sensitive to it, which is what we've realized most humans probably are not going to do well with grains. They're not going to do with like really hardcore greens that have a lot of uh, flax, uh, what is it? A lot of anti-nutrients, a lot of um, the other things like spinach. Like if you eat raw spinach, a pound of it could kill you. It's like stuff like that. Uh, those things are going to always be a stressor in the body because they are plant plant defense mechanisms that we're used to, to, to thwart predators. Makes sense. Poison, right? It's just low dose poison. So for us humans, we think, oh, well, we'll just have some gas and we'll get over it. But the reality is like over a long period of time that can actually create like leaky gut and then all the autoimmune responses and uh, as a result of that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I talk a lot with Brad Kearns and he's got uh, a great podcast in itself. And he used to have like this big kale shake every morning. <laughs> yeah. And he, I think he realized long ago that, that this was causing harm, more good than harm. Uh -huh. uh, he felt it. I'm sure he started to feel like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and I think it's all dose dependent. You know, if you have it once a month, you know, not going to be so bad. It probably depends on the individual too. Certain people can probably handle these sort of, um, maybe if you want to call them gut stressors or things that might be a little bit harder to digest and, right. um, than other people. Um, so everyone's a little bit, what are the, some of the things that have affected you and that you sort of realized in your journey? Well, my, my list of foods that I know I'm not supposed to eat and my, you know, my adherence to is 
always oscillating between better and worse, right? It, it's it's grains, it's breads. But I've even noticed when I was doing, we had sourdough at home, comparing that to eating just like grains at a restaurant or bread at a restaurant or anything like that, the response is night and day. It's insane. And I was actually talking about this recently with somebody. I was like, people, if all they did was scratch make their food at home, if that's all they did, they could eat anything they wanted. Like if you made right. a from scratch cake, chocolate cake with like real butter and lard and sugar and all the different things that go into it and like heirloom organic grains, like you would probably not want to make it very often because it's so time consuming, which mm -hmm. would be good. It's kind of like a mechanism to prevent you from doing it. But mm -hmm. if you ate that and that was part of your regular diet, you would you could still be a healthy person, right? It's amazing what what food at home from raw core ingredients that haven't been adultered and haven't been packaged in like a restaurant or or packaged from big food companies. It's amazing the difference. And the, again, the first principle, if you just simply ate at home, you're good. Everything that's outside of your house, that's how people should think about this. Every single thing that is outside of my house that I didn't like bring from my house, like I didn't prep food, every single thing that I eat is, is going to be a health cost. And everything that I have in the house, if I'm optimizing or paying even close attention, is usually going to be a health promoter. Yeah, I love that. I, I always, I always say that. I, I honestly think that's like the number one health principle. If you just learn to cook for yourself and do it, it's the number one. Yeah, it's absolutely the number one because you eliminate like all of the uh, most of the things we're talking about right there. I'm lucky because my wife is good at making things. Like I'll be like, oh, this is like a good dress. This looks like a good dressing, and she'll be like, oh, I can make that. You know, like you can make a lot of these things. Like you said, even the you can make that, all of them. You can make any you know, of them. It, in fact, they're better. Like the recipe at home is better than like the stuff in the package or whatever. <laughs> like right. Euro meat, for example, there's this food truck out here in Austin, Euro meat. It's really freaking good. And it's like probably authentic, but maybe he uses seed oils. It's like hummus and Euro. And it's like, it's like, I don't know what he's putting the meat. I'm not asking for the ingredients. I think he wouldn't even understand if I asked him like what oil to use. I don't think he would quite understand. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, maybe they use olive oil, but probably not. And I started buying that here and there. Cause it was like, oh, it's mostly proteins, probably fine. And then my gut started telling me you need to stop this habit. And so I went online and I found like, why is your meat so flavorful? And there's actually a process where you blend it up and then you compress it. Like you put a weight on it and you let it sit, then you cook it. And it's because it's so condensed the flavors make get that. It's like really amazing way to cook ground lamb or beef or whatever. And so we're actually tonight going to make that recipe and try it. And if I can make a really good Euro that's comparable at home. I will literally have Allison make that and just start bringing it to my office. You know, it's like stuff like that. Yeah. A little bit of effort, a little bit right. of like tr testing and, but, but game changer in the comparison between eating out of a food truck with, with likely seed oils versus just like bringing it with me. Plus you save money. Like who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, like another example is like beef jerky. I don't know if you've ever made beat your own beef jerky. Yeah, I have. Or yeah. biltong you can make. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jerky yeah. you can do in the oven or like yeah. a dehydrator. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We, I bought a dehydrator, not that expensive and, you know, really, really easy to make. And you can have it for a long time. And it's a great, you know, snack if you want to have yep. it from time to time, save a lot of money. Yeah. So what would be maybe some signs of, you know, you mentioned one of the main principles uh, is that people maybe don't have, which or actually have, which is that could be a cause of gut, uh, maybe gut, um, irritants are like low, um, acid in the low gut. Stomach so, acid. Yeah. What could be signs of having that? If you have any autoimmune systems whatsoever from our current scientific understanding is it is going to be almost 100% correlated to your gut. Now it could be correlated to stress because stress is like full body, 
but that could then be flaring something up in the gut or making it not work as well or whatever, or it could be like a mineral imbalance, but that could somehow downstream be connected to the gut. Like it's all kind of connected, but you're going to go back to the gut first as a primary place. I mean, they say that your immune system is in your gut. Like it's crazy. And, and generally people know, like you can ask the average person, how is your gut health? Right. And they're going to be like, uh, nobody's gonna be like, it's amazing. Right. And they're going to probably be able to identify sometimes where like they ate something too much, or they drank too much of this or that or whatever, or like recurring things with it. It all comes uh, back to the gut in some form of another, right. It's very integral piece of just your health and body. So it's like, find out what those things that come to mind are like, are, are, is it bloated? Is it gas? Is it like general discomfort? Like, do you eat too much after a meal and feel like you need to lay down or like whatever stuff right. like that, you know, is either going to be a sign of potential stomach acid issue, or if you have autoimmune response, that's going to be a sign of, of likely something like leaky gut or something attacking the gut, you know? And I mean, that's right. There is like most people. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's where I would start. It's like, it's kind of individual dependent, but just like Google your symptoms and it's going to probably bring you up something related to gut. Now, what are some of the things people could do to help restore healthy digestion? Well, the most important thing is that they need to remove, right? Yeah. I mean, like literally everything I could tell you to do in this from eating raw carrots to apple cider in the morning to, uh, you know, taking bitters before meal, anything to increase acidity is good. Like I drink apple cider in the morning and I do it before meal that helps get the acidity going in the gut and keep that high. But if you think about it, if you're trying to supplement with something like that because you have low gut acid and then you're putting in things that are going to ferment in your gut and potentially further ruin your gut acid or strain it, right? Like first remove the the, the big stressor, you right. know? Like don't try to pick up pennies in front of steamroller. Like that's the big thing that you need to focus on is getting rid of the big thing that's causing the problem in the first place. And then the thing about the human body is it's an amazing machine. It's the most miraculous creation we found in nature. And the entire universe, the known universe is the human body, right? Let it do its thing. Let it restore itself. Granted, you're eating enough protein. Humans need protein. Fasting is great. Give your body, uh, your gut a break here and there. And just let it do its thing by removing grains, watching your, those, those kind of subtle grains where it's like nuts and seeds, which have a lot of lectins and, and anti-nutrients. A lot of people don't realize that. And uh, legumes, even things like hummus, things like that. Some people, again, are more or less sensitive but generally, if you're trying to diagnose it, just get rid of all of it. And like I said, introduce a little bit at a time. That's the most important thing. From there, we can talk about some therapeutic things that they can do. Yeah. And as far as therapeutic, what would you say? Like, I mean, I know you mentioned in your, in, uh, your, your overview, uh, sunlight, exercise, yeah, the things that everyone knows they need to do anyway, right? <laughs> it's going to help with the gut. I mean, but like actually getting sunlight on the gut can, can help, which is pretty cool. I mean, yeah, exercise, sleep, stress, and that, that's all going to massively help because your whole body gets better, inflammation goes down, stress goes down, et cetera. The specific things you can do where you go in the kitchen and you're supplementing or you're eating certain things, a lot of people want to know, like, what should I eat? There are a few go-tos that I would recommend that are kind of standard. And I guess we can just get into them. So raw carrots, you can even do like a raw carrot salad mm. with MCT oil and some salt and some lemon or lime juice. That's a good one. Uh, apple cider vinegar with some water diluted or, or anything to improve acidity. So lemon, lime, et cetera. Enough salt and electrolytes. Most people are already underdosing in salt because the whole like the whole fake narrative of salt causing hypertension, which is literally the most unscientific 
an unproven thing ever. Salt is extremely imperative for health. And most people actually need more of it because we're in a stressful environment and we're our, our bodies are already struggling half the time with not having enough nutrients. Like salt's just another one, you know? Magnesium, that's a big one that nobody really talks about. Everybody thinks that magnesium is more of a before bed mineral. This is actually something I discovered. Uh, I started looking into magnesium because I had done a hair test. And my minerals were low and magnesium was one of them. And I was like, well, that's weird. I take ZMA every night, which is magnesium, zinc, and B6. And how can I be low in magnesium? But it's our soil. It's just so depleted. Plus the other thing, it's not just depleted soil. It's also the fact that our environment is so stressful and magnesium is essential for over, over 600 biomechanical processes in your body. So your body uses magnesium. It's kind of like fuel. It uses it to do these different things. And if you're low, fatigue, not feeling good, gut disrepair, like the, all these downstream things that could be connected to something like magnesium that you wouldn't even consider, right? So I supplement with magnesium morning, uh, afternoon and night just to further optimize, you know? And then, yeah, if, if for sleep too, it can help you with, with relaxing for sleep. It's a muscle relaxant. Uh, yeah, so magnesium is a big one. Um, those are kind of the core ones really. And then, oh, eating a lot of animal protein, like literally just prioritize it eat animal protein. And that's really what you could, should be doing if you want to like stay lean, if you want to lose weight, like prioritize protein. And then energy is carbs and fat. So this is Dr. Nyman's like pro PE diet stuff, which is a really good way to think about nutrition. It's like, look at your plate. At least half of it should be just protein right here. And right. then maybe you have a little bit of just energy in the form of carbs or fat. And that kind of fills in the gaps. And then bam, eat and then eat your food at home that's cooked yourself. And you have the fountain of youth for health. And you have like the perfect way to fix your gut health pretty much. Yeah. And what would you say to someone that doesn't eat animal protein? <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I would, I would have to like look at what the protein sources are and I would want to understand like what effect on the gut they have, but I just don't know that off the top of my head. Like I, I, right. I have really no idea. Um, but I would still say, try to get protein in, like maybe try eggs or, fish or like, I don't know if plant-based do that or like sometimes like pescatarian or whatever, but just right. anything you can do to get whole proteins that is not in the form, ideally not in the form of a green plant. That's going to have a bunch of anti-nutrients. So yeah, that's a tough one. And, um, you need to talk about apple cider vinegar. So is that something that you, you said you do it in the morning and you'll do it maybe, uh, before a meal just to get yes. the acidity up. Yep. Yep. Also bitters, digestive bitters. I have this one. That's a, a spray. You spray it in it's like really bitter, but chase that with a little bit of water. Again, you're just trying to stimulate that acid production, get it going. Okay. And do you have a certain magnesium that you use? I, um, just curious. Yeah, we have wild magnesium complex. We just launched seven magnesiums in one cap. <laughs> Look <laughs> uh, at that. We also have the Oxymag, which is a blend that we actually just sold out of. I'll have more soon, but it's like this. It's great because I can. it's got electrolytes. It's got zinc uh, and magnesium, 100% of your RDA. And I just take a sip of it. Oh, there you go. So you got this is a new, two... this is a new thing we launched. It's amazing. That's why we just sold out. Two separate ones, then you got. Yeah, there's two separate products. So we have the caps, which has seven magnesiums, and this has got just the one magnesium, but it's also got zinc and electrolytes in it, and it's easy to just drink. But I mean, you know, look for I like ZMA, um, or just look for you want a complex of magnesium because a lot of magnesiums are just like citrate or some basic ones. Sometimes they're not as great for absorption. They're usually not very bioavailable. Uh, one of our magnesiums in here is a special patented uh, version of magnesium that's binded to, so it increases bioavailability so that you actually absorb more of it. Like that's, that's a big thing with magnesium. So yeah, just, you know, do your research and I'm always happy to answer any questions. If anybody wants to shoot me an email. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'll put your email in the, um, in the show notes and uh, 
Yeah, I was using, uh, you talk about a hair mineral test. I had sort of the same type of thing. I was low in magnesium, dehydrated, which yep. I, I got to imagine 80 to 90% of the people that do a hair mineral test are probably going to come up in that same. Well, it's also because people have low, low sodium diets a lot of times that a lot right. of times you're actually dehydrated because you don't have enough salt in your, in your, in your body to hold on to the water. So like you think I'm thirsty, but if you drink straight tap water, like let's say you drink a gallon of tap water, you would potentially add up more dehydrated because dehydration is usually electrolytes. It's not even the water itself. A lot of times it's actually the minerals. So if you're drinking a straight non-mineralized water, you get flushing minerals out of your body. So you, you might be in a worse, more dehydrated state by doing that. Just add a little bit of salt to every, every, every glass of water, add a little bit of salt. Yeah. Yeah, or find a good mineral, you know, mineral water. Yep. There's, you know, Gerald Steiner, I think is a nice one. Um, yeah, I always say like hydration is not just drinking water, right? <laughs> you got to, you got to add the sodium and the potassium and it's the minerals. And, yep. Yeah. The minerals yep. in. Um, okay. What about like pharmaceuticals and uh, toxins taken in through the body? Um, and this could even be alcohol. How can this play a role in, in gut health? Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of good things to say about alcohol, you know, like a little bit here and there for maybe the hormetic effect, but from a health perspective, it's, it's just not like, I'm not saying you can't enjoy it, but you're not really doing yourself any favors. Uh, and yeah. so if you're drinking regularly, I don't really have any advice other than find a way to mitigate as much as possible. Maybe it's sauna. Maybe it's like going above and beyond what we're talking about here. Maybe it's like, going almost like a strict carnivore diet, like, you know, do whatever you need to do to mitigate it as much as possible. There's also some interesting research that came out recently about preventing hangovers that was related to something like eat 600 to 700 calories before you drink, have some protein, have some fat, maybe like probably, probably lower carb, I would assume. And then do that to kind of help buffer the effects. Also take some raw charcoal to, to, to buffer the effects as well. And, uh, you know, like doing something like that could, could help, but, and the pharmaceutical is the same thing. It's like, your goals did not be on them other than emergency situation. If you're on them all the time, you are paying a health cost. It's just is what it is. It might fix one thing, but it's causing other problems. So your goal is to get out of that as much as possible and go to natural modalities. Red lights, got them here. Sauna, got it at home. Go outside, get sunlight, exercise, get cold, get hot, meditate, you know, get calm, find community, find meaning, like all the things you're supposed to do as a human, all the, the, the complex, like myriad kind of difficult things to do in a modern environment. You got to do, you have to have a holistic plan to everything. So the more you do that, the more, the better you have to be in every other area. Like that's, you know. What are the, what's your routine like now? I know we haven't talked in a few months. I think, I don't know when our last episode was with you, but do, do you have a, a, a new routine going into the new year? My routine is every morning I'm doing my stretches, wake up to the stretches, hang out with the kids, get outside. Uh, ideally I'm getting vitamin D. Like it's been cold here in Austin. So I'm still trying to go out there, bundle it up, get a lot of vitamin D into your eyes. That's the most important, get it into your eyes. And if you can get it, get outside naked. Like the dream for everyone is to be able to go outside in the day and be naked in the sun for like 30 minutes and sweat, move, stretch, exercise, whatever. Now this is the way to think about it. Our ancestors would have woken up from laying on the ground, likely, and nature all around us, bugs and dirt and all these different things, all these things that actually improve our gut flora by just being in nature, getting dirty. We would have woken up and then we would have moved. We would have laughed. We would have sat in the ground. We would have squatted. We would have, you know, got our hands dirty. We would have, you know, played with kids and other people, et cetera. And we would have done that all day long, likely with sunlight 
exposing us because we didn't even have artificial walls to, to box ourselves in then. And that, that would, that's what you would have done for 16 to 18 hours a day, right? Instead, like we're, we're at a, a situation where modern humans might go outside for 30 minutes a day. It is un, like, this is actually one of those kind of like hidden systemic insidious things that I don't think anybody quite understands. Like if you were a biologist studying any species, right? And let's say you found this, you discovered this new species, you would want to understand the environment it's in. And then you might compare it to like, like ants in Brazil. What is their environment? Like what are the differences? And you try to make all these connections. But the most important thing you have to understand is the environment. Yet humans, we're just like, we pretend that we don't have this environment because we can just like build buildings and stuff. It's it's literally insane, right? But it's the greatest environmental mismatch. And then I think food is the next one. And then meaning and people and how we don't live in tribes anymore. Those three environmental mismatches are the core problem of everything is that is wrong with modern humans. Yeah. I mean, you talk about going outside, like I'm in Chicago. I mean, our weather, <laughs> it actually has not been cold here, but I don't know if you've seen the sun that much in the last month, maybe a few times. Um, so then it could be a little bit tough if you're living in an environment in the North, you know, like myself. Um, but I do get out, take two to three walks with my dogs. So everyone can get out there and and go for a walk. You might not see sunshine, which we haven't seen in a while. There's but, still vitamin D that can go, come through the clouds though. Like it's know, still there. Right? right. And it's also just like fresh air getting outside, you know, whatever it's sure. Uh, even psychologically getting oh. out of a, of a building psychologically is massive. I mean, I love, I, yeah, I, I, I do the walks with my dogs probably less for them than more for me, more for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Okay. What, what else? Uh, so your, your routine is, uh, what about your, I know how many kids do you have Colin? I just had our third. So I got three now. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. How, and I'm sure this is a question that comes up, uh, quite a bit is how do you implement these same principles with your kids? Yeah. I mean, kids do better. Like we've seen a correlation behaviorally recently like my my son you know he's four he's he's in full-blown toddler mode yelling kicking you know having all that and when the other day she made a point because we had a little bit of warm weather it's like we're going to the park and it was actually there's actually like a nature uh it's like a national park right so we go to go there we bring their stuff their trucks and all the stuff so they can just dig in the dirt and she made a point to just go there with them and be in the moment just be present no goal in mind and just like be there for them. And she's like the behavior difference difference from that day and the day after the lag of it even was just massive because they had been cooped up because it's been so cold. Mm. Right. So yes, I know it's hard, but it's like, even when it's cold, my, I can, I can see the kids already. They're like, I don't want to go outside. It's cold. I don't want to go outside. It's cold. And I'm like, I don't want you developing that behavior because that's the behavior that us modern adults have that has just been conditioned into us. That is hurting us. Right. I want them to think that temperature is like just an opinion. It's, it's nothing. In fact, I want them to enjoy the cold or ex enjoy the extreme heat so that they go outside as much as possible. You got to just force them to get outside, like <laughs> force them to get outside, bundle them up if you have to. And then eventually they get used to it. And then eventually they'll, they'll want to do it. Right. And it's always it's habitual. You know, humans, we respond to our environment in pretty, pretty real time. So it's like if it's cold and you have a warm home and you're a kid, you're not thinking about optimizing your health. You're just like, I want to stay inside. It feels good. Right. But then you start getting outside every single day and you don't even consider it as a thing because you're so used to it. So that the, the temperature variation doesn't really affect you. Then right. it's like, then it just becomes something you do. Right. So 
as it goes with everything, it's what you do. We can alter our environment. That's the greatest you know, thing that we can do with, as humans with technology. But that means that if we don't alter our environments consciously, we just sit in our buildings and our AC with our poor quality air with no vitamin D, whatever. And then we do that for years and years and years. And then we end up with cancer and heart disease and all this other crap while eating industrial slop, while addicted to news and fear and propaganda. We're just like, no wonder that that human animal is usually overweight, depressed, lacking in meaning, et cetera. Right. It's all connected. It's all, it, it's literally what you do with your environment. Yeah. No good example with your kids, getting them outside. What else? What about eating? I, I'm assuming you probably cook a lot of your meals at home. It sounds like you're cooking a lot of meals at home, which I'm sure goes a long way for your kids. Well, they eat all their meals at home and then we, you yeah. know, we pack and then every so often, like, yeah, if we're eating out sometimes, which we don't do it much anymore, they'll have some stuff or whatever. I thought I'd probably be stricter with them than I am. Most of what I focus on, and, and Allison has a similar philosophy, but she, she approaches a little bit differently because she studied some of the eating and habit kids research. So I'm sure she knows more than I, but I'm always like, eat your protein, eat your protein, eat your protein. Right. And like sometimes for lunch, I'm not there and they eat a lot of protein. Like they had tuna salad the other day for protein that we made. And then at dinner, they didn't really touch the protein. And I'm like kind of saying, hey guys, you gotta eat your protein. If you, you know, if we're gonna have some ice cream that daddy made, we gotta have some protein. But maybe they had enough protein. Maybe they had it at lunch. And then now at dinner, they're just their body's kind of craving like some energy, like whatever, right? So it's it's always a line you have to kind of dance around. It's like, am I being too strict or neurotic? Am I am I living too vicariously through them and projecting my own BS on them or whatever? <laughs> and so I'm always trying to be aware of that. Right. But it's like, I want them to grow up understanding that protein is your primary goal when you're eating nutrition and eating food. And then things fill in the gaps. But then I don't want them to create I don't, I don't want them to become neurotic about it either where they can only eat protein. And then every time they look at like some sweets or fat or whatever, they're like freaking out. So I'm trying to, to the Balance. best of our ability, cultivate that. Yeah. And what about the social environment? You know, I mean, you talk, obviously, you know, kids growing up in the COVID era, uh, had it take, had to take a hit, um, socially for them. And, you know, now we're sort of getting out of that, which is good. I mean, um, what are some of the things that maybe individuals can do socially for their kids to get them acclimated? You just gotta, you gotta be around other people as much as possible, yeah. you know? And I, and I, this is something I've talked to Allison about because she's got her friends that have, we have friends that have kids and I would say an average is once a week they get together, but sometimes it's like twice a month. That is not a lot of time. Cause right. I'm, I'm always thinking to myself, if we were living in the wildest hunter gathers right now, what would our life be like? And it would involve, being around other humans of all ages, old, young, parents, not parents, everybody would be in the same group. And every single day we would spend time together. We'd be around the fire. We would share food. We would laugh. We would play. We would do all of these things in a group every single day. So when these kids growing up in modern environment are like, I'm going to go see kids in my same age group and maybe some that are a little bit older and a little bit smaller. I'm going to spend time with them twice a week. And the rest of the time I'm going to be around basically mom and dad the whole time. I don't think that's natural. I'm personally trying to solve that with probably getting hundred acres in Austin and creating an entire community. And that's kind of a project that I'm working on it, like a, like a big goal of mine and just show modern humans that we need to get back to that way of life and then kind of use cities and technology. Like maybe we use cities as like the weekend getaway, 
but our core living is not in an urban environment anymore. I think we're going to eventually see a flip-flop of that as more people wake up to these ideas, right? There's a reason that we have a meaning crisis. There's a reason, reason that depression and opioid use and alcohol and all these different things are just like at astronomical levels, even though we're, we're, we're more connected than ever, yet people are more depressed than ever. Like it's all connected, right? It's all a mismatch of environment. And so I don't know what the answer is other than if you can be around other people or kids or build a community of some kind and spend as much time with them as possible. I also think it's it's the way to solve the adult meaning crisis. Most hum, modern humans, like me as a father and an entrepreneur, whatever, like we have all responsibility. We spend our time with just our kids and our, and our partners. Right. And then maybe once or twice a week, we have some like friend time. And I think that's a complete mismatch too. Yeah, no, that's an interesting topic. And I'm noticing it, you know, as getting older, I'm in, you know, 42 and, you know, I'm married. I have two dogs, but like everyone's in their own bubble. And yes. like, I, honestly, you know, we have more flexibility. We don't have kids, but like, we, I always find myself reaching out to individuals, you know, other couples and, you know, whether, you know, friends that I've known for a while to get together. And like, it doesn't, it, most people aren't reaching out to me. I'm reaching out to them. Being Dude, like, oh, I know wow. exactly what you're saying. Oh my gosh. And it's so hard. And like, you know, even if you coordinate an event, it's so much energy and like people right. are like, I'll be there. And then they don't show up. Like, dude, it is a big deal. I mean, this is like a big thing that I'm thinking about. And like, I probably want to work on for like the rest of my life. Like this, this big idea, I think the meaning crisis, like John Verveke has got a whole YouTube uh, series that people should look into. Uh, he's a professor. He's like, this thing kind of went viral, but he's like, we have a meaning crisis today. And Nietzsche talked about having a meaning, you know, he, the famous God is dead quote. He basically meant that Christianity at the time was the importance was lowering in people's lives. And what was happening is people, nihilism was creeping up. And what that means is that people didn't have like a leader or like a belief system. They didn't, they didn't know what to turn to. And what you, what happens from nihilism is like society can break down or suicide rates go up or all these other things can happen. Like we see today. I mean, Nietzsche would have looked at 2022 today and be like, I called it, <laughs> I called this in the 1900s. You know, I think it is one of the greatest things. And I think the simple solution, if we could do it is to get people living in small as close to tribe as possible, even if you're your own house, but you're in like shared spaces and you're living in nature next to each other, whatever. I think that's the solution. Like, cause that's the biggest thing that's removed for people. Yeah, no, I mean, and I just, I'm, the point I was saying was like getting people together. It's like trying to herd cats yep. <laughs> and, and getting a date on the calendar. I mean, you know, it takes a little effort, but it can be done. I mean, we, we, we I, I, I've been consciously making an effort to, to, to reach out to individuals and couples and, to have them come over. We like hosting and things like that. So I think more people, cause I feel like more people have to try doing stuff like that. Um, and what I, I actually noticed I was just overseas. I was in Israel. I have family in Israel and community is so big there. Um, yep. it's, it's just night and day compared to the States. And, you know, everyone's just, it's just like one common goal. You know, I've relatives who live in these, um, these, um, got them. The word is escaping me. Um, I, but these just environments where the kids are outside all day playing and they can run from home to home. And, yep. and it's just like, it really is. You go there and there's such a community and, and then you come back here and it's like, I haven't seen a person. I've literally been home for two days. I've maybe seen one or two people walking. Um, and that's just... true of almost every other culture on the planet, by the way, yeah. every other culture on the planet, other than the United States. And if you look at it, what is the United States? The most powerful rich country in the nation. There's a correlation there. There's reasons for that. That's, that's a deep topic. But it's like, as we become richer, we've become more like 
What are our every needs? We, In fact, this is what it is. We are able to control our environment so much so because we have so much wealth and prosperity that it's all about like me, 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 right? right. The narcissism of even just the corporatism in America feeds that, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with corporations making money and providing products and services. I love it. I love the fact that I don't feel like make all my own stuff and like make this desk and do this kind of crap because it frees me up to do other things. But I have to take the technology and I have to shape my environment. And one of the biggest things that most modern people don't even think about because they're so worried about my Instagram likes or I'm in debt or I want to buy a big house or whatever bullshit they're stuck into. They don't think about where are my adult relationships? I've thought about this because I have a lot of time as an entrepreneur. I've built things where I can not work for a month if I wanted to. My business is still run. Right. So I have this time and I'm like, well, what's the point of, of, of making money and having all this free time? If nobody that I care about is even available to do anything, yeah. it's so crazy, right? And I bet right. you a lot of people that have like massive million dollar exits where they're like, they have all this money and they don't know what to do it themselves. I think a lot of that is going to be the fact that they don't have community or people around them to even spend the time with. So they're just like, oh, I got to start a new business. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, and you, like, like I was just saying, like in Israel, like they, their, their priorities are different, right? Like not that money's not important. But it's secondary to, to like community yep. to everything else, um, and it's vice versa here in the states. I, I, I you know, I, I totally noticed that. Yeah, it's a big deal, man. I mean, that's going to be more and more of a thing. I think people are going to be talking about trying to solve, et cetera. And I really think the uh, a way that you need constraints. That's why I keep like this community project has to be outside of a city. Because if it's not in the city, people can like even if they live there, they can do the same BS where they like. They have their yoga class. They got this thing they go to. They go to this, whatever. They go to their work. And then like they live this little bubble, right? Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. you need something that forces people outside and in collective spaces together. And then when they realize how awesome it is, then they'll become addicted to it. And that will be their life. And then they'll be changed forever. But we don't have that in an urban environment, right. you know, and there's no constraints to force it. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. No, that's a whole topic in itself, but I think it, it is important. Um, we, t we started with gut health and we went to community. <laughs> <laughs> I will give one bit of advice for you and anyone yeah. that wants to do this. The biggest thing that I've seen work and that I've also, I'm working on doing myself is standing events. So what you do is you have something like, let's say it's every Saturday. We had some friends that lived in a house in Austin. They had a big backyard. Every Saturday from nine to noon, they would do this thing. You could like donate money. They'd make coffee. Like people would come. Like eventually there was like a DJ and like, but you would always know that from this time period, I can go there and there's always going to be somebody there. Hmm. You do that. And then you don't worry about having to invite people every time and whether they show up or not or whatever. Stand, I'm telling you, standing events is how you simplify the hurdle of getting people to show up because as it grows and they get used to it, then it takes on a life of its own. And it's just like, and then like community can just like grow out of it. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I'm seeing it. I moved to a new neighborhood. I mean, I know we know our neighbors. We've met like a few people, but yeah, like there's so many great people and we, I never even see them. <laughs> like yeah, everyone's in their own little bubble, but I, I like that idea because yeah, we're always trying to organize just get togethers and it's like, okay, we have to- It's a lot like, of work. That's yeah. why if you make it like standing and recurring, you know, yeah. and at first you start inviting people, like invite everybody like every time just to the point where you become annoying. But then when it picks up and people are in the habit of knowing that like it's always going on, then yeah. it'll just, it'll take care of itself. I love that. Well, this was great, Colin. Um, where's the best place for people to find, you know, you talk to some of your products, uh, your website, wildfoods.co, right? Yep. Wildfoods.co. They can use code get, get lean 23 and we're going to do 23% off for two weeks. Thank you for that. I need to put that on the website right now. 
Uh, and that's for the whole catalog, anything you see there. And then if you need to get a hold of me, if you have any questions about anything we talked about or any of the products, call in at wildfoods.co. And then I would recommend they check out the Better Human uh, website and podcast. It's thebetterhuman.co. That's where I'm actually working on some of this meeting crisis stuff. I'm working on what I am hoping is an ultimate philosophy for life. And we'll have to like do another show where we talk about some of that stuff, but like ownership and truth and meaning. Uh, I'm basically building a template for like how modern humans can live and, and have meaning and also be sovereign. And so that's like my ultimate, ultimate project for life is to cultivate that. And that's better human podcast. The, yeah, well, the Better Human Podcast, but also thebetterhuman.co is where you find the link in the newsletter and all that stuff. Okay. Love it. Um, yeah, wildfoods.co. We'll put a link in the show notes. Get Lean 23. So you get 23% off um, for the next two weeks. And yeah. You want to do this real quick before we break? You want you want me to go through this list? of I got a food staples list for gut health. Good stuff. And I also have oh, yeah. a list of supplements we can rapid fire. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's finish with some gut health tips here. Okay, elimination. Get rid of all stressors. That's the most important thing. Some for some people, it's coffee. Cut it. Go to tea. Cycle it. Whatever you can do. Maybe just reduce how much you have. Uh, reduce fiber. Most people mm-hmm. don't realize this. Fiber is actually gut irritant. It's a lot of the research around it is completely nonsense. <laughs> so that includes nuts, seeds, legumes, grains, um, certain vegetables, etc. Avoid alcohol. Obviously, avoid tap water and water from plastic bottles. Avoid alkaline water. Avoid A1 dairy. Now, I'm a little on like the fence with that one because I think a lot of the dairy research is kind of nonsense, but we drink raw milk dairy, uh, raw milk. So I don't even like, I don't even care about A1. But mm-hmm. if you're drinking conventional dairy, yeah, likely you don't want to do the A1 dairy or you probably shouldn't even do conventional milk at all. Okay. Right, so some right. food staples include egg yolks, lots and lots of egg yolks, bone broth, lots of bone broth, coconut oil. Coconut oil has lauric acid. That helps with the gut acidity. It's also just amazing for you. Also, MCT. We have a wild MCT that has lower acid in it. Apple cider vinegar, aloe vera juice, lots of animal protein, collagen, cod liver oil, raw milk, pears, kiwi, and banana. These are some of the better uh, gut-friendly uh, fruits. Raw carrots, raw carrot salad, MCT, coconut oil, ACV, salt. I sprinkle some activated charcoal in there. Garlic, olive oil, olive oil is a good one too. Ginger, mm. oysters, raw oysters, amazing superfood. Yeah. Uh, and just generally see, seafood, mix it up with seafood and then raw honey. That's another one. Raw honey is a good one. So that is the list of kind of like food staples. And honestly, if, if people just ate that, they would be like the healthiest humans on the planet. <laughs> like that list right there is like everything. And then for supplements, uh, magnesium, fulvic acid, which we just launched one is like a miracle product. We don't have time to even talk about how awesome it is, but it's amazing. Uh, K2 D3 plus lots of sunlight, fish oil, cod liver oil, oregano oil is a good one. Glutamine is a very essential amino acid, also helps gut health, activated charcoal. I will take it sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night. Uh, Black seed oil is pretty good to try that. One to two grams daily for 12 weeks. Digestive enzymes, you can test like taking multiple caps until you start feeling a little um, acid in your throat and then you kind of dial it back, right? Uh, Taurine, wild pre-pro, prebiotics, probiotics, all kinds of different products. You kind of have to test the ones, but but definitely get a prebiotic. That's, That's a good one. And then- Colstrum is really good for the gut. And most of these you can get on your website. Um, the list that you mentioned, is is that on your website as a guide? I know you have a lot of guides. This was in that email I sent. I don't even I don't think it was there as okay. a guide, that list. Uh I will oh, it's in my principles of oh I might as well plug the course. Principles of human nutrition. I got a course on the website that I that I went into, and I have the video on the gut health plus the full list here. 
Uh, it also just kind of like goes a little bit deeper into some of what we talked about. Very okay. simple, short, to the point, like most of what you need is a couple hours of understanding and then you need to implement it. And that's all you'll ever need for health for the rest of your life. And a lot of the principles for optimal human nutrition are also the principles you need for optimal gut health. <laughs> like it's funny right. how they, they kind of go in hand, hand in hand. Okay. So that's your principles of human nutrition. Yeah. It's at the top of the website. Yep. Okay. I see that now. Okay. Yeah. You went through it really quick, but you can, you can get that again, um, on your website there and, and I, and I'll also just email you this list. I'll just copy paste it because okay. I might as well, I just got it in front of me Okay. and, and then, yeah. And like, you can probably get half the products on our website, but the other half you have to, you know, source from some better brands on Amazon or something. Okay. Perfect. Lots of good stuff, Colin. Um, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, man. This is good. First one of 2023. Good way to start it out. <laughs> Four days um, in. So focus on gut health, focus on community. And uh, that's a great way to start the year. Sure is. All right. Thanks so much, Colin. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine. And I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.